the, the, the divinely inspired aspect of this um, is something that I keep coming back to and it concerns the nation of Israel. And, uh, and, and, and rightly so because it's so central to the Christian life. It's so central in the fact that as we look at them there's so much to, to, uh, to learn, there's so much to observe, there's so much to acknowledge that um, we are instructed, we are warned, we are edified. There's, there's just a whole array of things for us to draw from Israel themselves. And so, that being the case, it's kind of going to uh, dominate what I want to say again uh, and draw uh, some encouragement from the Word of God this morning. So, we well, there's a few parents here. And um, when you're a parent, you know how uh, deeply you love your children. And so, uh, in wanting to do the best for them, in wanting to, you know, make sure that they're provided for and that they're well fed even and you know uh, new, new mums are wanting to do the best, feed the best foods and make sure that you know little so and so is just you know being well looked after. But I remember our kids when they were young and Barbara used to prepare some food for them and there were certain foods where they just, uh, Barbara would go to feed them and they'd just sit there and they'd go they just refused to open their mouth. And Barbara had a little ways of doing it. Sometimes it might have been little pins. Ah, look in. Or, you know, come on, look at that. Ah, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's, there's ways and there's means. But um, when we're dealing with a child for whatever various reasons that refuses to open their mouth, you see how even in their little minute state there, they can demonstrate those aspects of stubbornness in their nature. And, uh, and so... You know, that in and of itself is kind of typifies some of the things that we want to look at because God, being our Father, desires to bless us abundantly and provide for us the best and in saying that he wants to feed us with the best. We are his children and God uh, wants to bring us into a place of maturity. He wants to fill us. And, you know, the Bible tells us that as, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of God's word, but uh, there, there, there's coming that time where we have to go into maturity and we are to partake of the solid food. And we are to digest that, we are to partake of it, and in doing so we are spiritually blessed. And so, it's in that context that we want to consider some of the things that we find in this particular psalm because the, the truth is, is that though God desires to bless us and though his intent is to bless us, though he has made every provision to bless us, that doesn't always equate in us receiving the blessing. And so, uh, for, there's various reasons for this, uh, but nevertheless, uh, some of us uh, may fail to appropriate uh, all that God has for us. And so, the result of that is that some Christians can be spiritually malnourished. They, uh, they, um, or there are those even, uh, as we find in the scriptures, who think that they're full, but yet they're, they're not, as, uh, as the Laodiceans so claimed before the Lord, that they were full and had need of nothing, and yet they were destitute, poor and naked uh, before the Lord. And so, uh, these are uh, uh, some of the things that we identify in the Bible. Now, I uh, recently was just reading a book by uh, Vance Havner, I don't know if any of you are familiar with him, but... Um, He's on par with A.W. Tozer. He's a profound, uh, was a profound uh, minister of the Word of God and wrote a few books. But he, 
he had lots of things to say. And I like that because um, uh, there's much to identify with. But he made this particular statement and I want to bring it to your attention this morning because it ties in with the message that I want to preach. He said, Some churches are merely swapping members, moving corpses from one mausoleum to another. Some have made the gospel a funeral. Others have made it a frolic. And both have forgotten it is a feast. So he says that that some have made the gospel a funeral, others have made it a frolic, and both have forgotten that it's a feast. Now, think of that for a moment. It is a feast. When we come into the house of God, when we come into the church, we have the ability to worship God, to love God, to freely uh, exalt Him, and yet uh, we are coming to the house of God to partake. And so this concept of a feast In my mind, again, it rings so true with the particular text that I want to identify with and show us that really this is what God wants us to do. He wants to bring us into a place of feasting, amen, in him. And so because the reality is, is once you've eaten well, you are satisfied. And so again, uh, the point being is, is God has so much, we must partake of it. But there are those that fail to partake. There are those, amen, like that child, uh, refuse to eat. uh, And there are some that are still left hungry as when they come into the house of the Lord because they're not being fed properly, even. And so, I want to address this issue and I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Open Your Mouth Wide as found in this particular portion of text. So Psalm 81, uh, verse 8. We'll start from there. The Bible says, Hear, O my people, uh, uh, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there will be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. I am the Lord your God. who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. Now, this is God speaking to the children of Israel. And really it's an appeal that God is making to his people. His people uh, have ventured away, they've drifted away, they've turned away and so God is making an appeal in verse 8 where he says, Hear, O my people. You see, God, this is really a call for his people to repent. It's a call for his people to turn to him because as we will see, his desire is to bless them abundantly. Oh God, how he wants to bless his people and yet how his people fail and forfeit his blessing. That's really what is being identified here. 
And the reason for this is because the people of God, in its essence, are feeding on the wrong stuff. They're, they're partaking at the wrong table. And so, therefore, God is making this appeal and where he says to them, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me. You see, you've got to pick up the heart of God that's coming through in those words. It's not just a statement of logic, but rather it's a, an appeal and from the heart of God in the anguish of heart, in essence, that God is demonstrating and expressing in those words. You know, when Jesus, uh, as he looked over Jerusalem and he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills all the prophets, and uh, he expresses in that anguish of heart, that grief and suffering, his desire for the people, but yet they had rejected him. And in essence, this is what we're seeing in the words of verse 8 where God is saying, Oh, my people, oh, Israel, won't you listen to me? And it's an appeal from the heart of God. It's an anguish in the heart of God that we are identifying. There's a reason for this anguish. It's found in verse 9. He says, There shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. And so Israel has turned and drifted into idolatry. They have forsaken God. They are feasting, in essence, in sense of, on the false gods. And in doing so, they have neglected the very one who has brought them out of the land of Egypt. When in verse 10 it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God is saying, in essence, I'm the one that brought you out with an outstretched arm. I'm the one who took you from slavery. I'm the one that took you from that poverty. I'm the one who fed you in the wilderness. I'm the one who gave you water from the rock. I'm the one that has sustained you every day and then I blessed you. And not only that, I have so much more to give, but yet you have turned away from me. In Psalm 106, verse 28, the Bible says that they ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They ate sacrifices offered to the dead. In Psalm 107, verse 18, it says, Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They were rejecting God. They were rejecting the provisions of God. They were rejecting the truth of God. And in doing so, we have these metaphors in the Bible in which we are seeing that they ate sacrifices. Well, that was in the literal sense, but their soul abhorred all manner of food and they were rejecting and regurgitating the truth of God in their lives. And the result of that is that they are spiritually now malnourished. That's why in verse 10, God says to them, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open it wide and I will fill it. You know, that, 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 that in essence is the, the pinnacle of what I want to communicate this morning. Just let those words settle. Just let our minds meditate upon it because God is saying to us, open your mouth and I will fill it. 
And it's a metaphor that once you, as you ponder this and consider it, you get a sense of God's heart. You get a sense of what God wants to do. But yet, what a picture is painted concerning the nation of Israel. In verse 11 of Psalm 81, God goes further and he says, But my people would not heed my voice. They would not heed my voice and Israel would have none of me. Isn't it sad? Their mouth is shut. He's told them to open their mouth wide, wide, because I will fill it. But he says the sad indictment against his people Israel is that they would have none of me. You see, this is a sad indictment that we find repeated so often in the scriptures, isn't it? And so it's a sad tale concerning the history of Israel that we find repeated and ultimately we know that it serves, Israel serves as a primary example to us and to the Christian life. But you see also what we find in our text and what we, deliberate, what we specifically relate that to is to the wilderness crowd that we have been making reference to in, in previous messages that I've been preaching. The wilderness crowd is really what this captures. You know, we've been looking at those that enter the promised land and, uh, and, and various aspects of the fullness of Christ, which is what we're really going to, in essence, what we're dealing with again, in, just in a different manner. But we're identifying fundamentally the same truths and we're seeing these things in the word of God. So here it is. Israel's mouth is wide shut. And this wilderness crowd that this scripture is referring to, they are the ones that we know from, from, from the history of Israel. They are the ones that missed out on the promised land because their mouth was shut, because they had given themselves over to idolatry, they failed to enter into the fullness. God could not fill their mouths with the provision, with the blessing and the promises that he had made to that particular people and that particular generation. So rather than go into the promised land, rather than enter into the fullness of, of of their inheritance, they missed out. And they missed out on a land, the Bible says, that flowed with milk and honey. Mm, Can you imagine the taste of that? Milk and honey. Figs and pomegranates. And so God was going to make such provision for them. And uh, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it, he says. He says that you're going to go into, into this land and you're going to feed off the fullness of this land. And yet, the sad indictment is, is that they sighed, the Bible says, they desired the flesh pots of Egypt. The flesh pots of Egypt. You know the story how many times they said, oh, how I wish I was back in Egypt. How I wish that we were back in that place. One man said the wilderness crowd wants garlic instead of glory and they want melons instead of miracles. In other words, rather than enter into the fullness of God, they desire to go back and the temptations of the old life, or if you want to put it that in relation to the Christian, but in this case of Israel, Egypt being the future of the world, they are lusting for and they are craving for these things back in Egypt where they know that there was misery. But that's the state of their heart. And in verse 12, 
it says, God says, so I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. And God gives them over to walk in their own counsels. And really, we can highlight Israel's disobedience, but that's not the emphasis that I want to make. I really want to highlight here the heart of God that he is so deeply grieved as a result that he could not fulfil in that, with these particular people. I mean, he went on to fulfil his promises and his covenant. He's not, he's not going to fail in that way. But in the, in the essence of here are a people that he wants to bless so abundantly and yet they so refused that they had their mouth shut and God has told them to open it, but no, they refuse and so God gives them over to their stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Now, in light of this, let me put this to us as Christians this morning. Is it not the, invit- is not the invitation to open our mouth an invitation from God to his, to his people? Being Christians here this morning, God would say to us, open your mouth wide, wide. Not just open your mouth, open your mouth wide. You get the picture? And, uh, and I will fill it. But yet cannot Christians themselves have their mouths wide shut. And it's possible. Or they've just got to open a little bit, you know. God says, open it wide. Open it wide. You see, we are warned in scriptures about loving the world. We are warned in the scriptures about ourselves. Uh, you do not love the world or the things in the world. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and these things that we can gravitate to, our flesh can gravitate to quite easily as we all know and yet to the neglect of spiritual things, to the neglect of God who wants to give us and provide us with so much. And if we're not careful, if we're not mindful, we can be feasting as Christians at the wrong table. We can be giving ourselves over to things that um, uh, some might not be harmful in and of themselves but when we are neglecting the very things that God would want us to uh, partake of and, and have for ourselves then we can be spiritually malnourished ourselves. Because Christians can give themselves and feed off things that they ought not to to the neglect of the very things that are most important. And so we can watch too many TV shows and not read our Bible. We can be more excited about the latest movie that's coming out or sports or the, or the, the, uh, the, the um, pursuit of money and other things. Now, I'm not saying all these things are evil in and of themselves. What I'm saying is, is that they, they can steal our heart And in doing so, we can find ourselves, just like the Israelites, we can find ourselves worshipping foreign gods. So the Bible says about Demas, it says, Paul writes and says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. And so in doing so, he has turned away his heart from the Lord and he has begun now, he's turned away from the table of the Lord. He's eating at the wrong table. He's eating the sacrifices of, uh, uh, of uh, um, uh, uh, made to, to idols. He's a, his soul is abhorring the food, the good food that the Lord wants to give. 
And his mouth is shut in essence. So how do we know if our mouth is shut? Well, I would just simply put to you this morning, um, are we feasting on the word of God? Because this is the greatest indicator, isn't it? I mean, when you, you can have a hunger and a thirst for lots of things, but if, if this is the priority of your life, then everything else will flow from that. And so that's why I say to you, it must have that priority. It must be something that you hunger for. Uh, It was Job that said, I have desired uh, your word more than my necessary food. You see, what are we feasting on? What are we feeding on? What are we feeding ourselves? Are we praying? Are we doing the things that we we, we know we ought to be doing that are pleasing to the Lord? Or do we get more excited about the latest, you know, movie that's coming out? Or do we get more excited about uh, some of the things that are uh, you know, um, going on around us to the neglect of the house of God, the people of God, the purpose of God for our lives? The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, just, I, I saw during the week, during the week, you know, the Olympics are coming up and um, they've, uh, they were showing that, you know, the, in Greece that they light up the flame. And so I was just intrigued by it because I heard somewhere in years past someone mentioned something about it. So I thought, I'm just going to do a little bit of research there. And it's, it's, it's amazing that as you just begin to look at that, you see the pagan worship of a false god right there in the, in the spirit of the Olympic Games. Now, we would just, a lot of us would just say, oh, it's just sport, we love competition. And I understand that, I do, I like that. But when you begin to look deeply at that, it is a spiritual festival. It's a pagan festival. And that's why that altar, you know, with the Greeks being the, 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 the home of the, that ancient, uh, uh, well, they would say sport, but it's much more than sport because that's where they would worship the false gods. And so that's why they have this fire, this altar that's burning and so they go and light it and proceed and we have this event that comes. But behind that event, there's a spirit. And now, I'm, I'm not trying to raise uh, all these concerns. I'm just illustrating to you how the, this aspect of worshipping foreign gods it can, uh, can group our hearts. Because you know what? We can neglect and we can watch our sport, we can watch some event, and yet we can neglect spiritual things. We'll make sacrifices to do this or to do that, but we won't make spiritual sacrifices. We'll stay up the extra hour, two hours to watch this or watch that, but yet we can't do that when it comes to spiritual disciplines. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? So your mouth is shut. And so therefore you become spiritually malnourished. And God is, is seeing this and God would say to us, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. You see, what I'm trying to emphasise this morning is not just stop eating the wrong food. What I'm saying is let's get to the right table and let's open our mouth so that God can fill it. Because it's, it's one thing to separate and we need to preach separation. We need to preach these things and we need to be brought and challenged and convicted if necessary by the Lord in relation to these things. But you see, separating from these things is just the first part of it and the emphasis is not just that separation, although it's, again, important. It's a separation from and then it's a separation to. 
because it's just, you know, if you're just going to, th- if you think it's just a separation from, then what will happen is you'll try and stop these things and you go, oh, I just can't, it's just too tempting. And yet, because the problem is, is you're not doing the next part. Now you need to separate yourself to Christ. You need to now seek Christ. You need to now obey Christ. And as you do those things, everything else will flow naturally because of those uh, priorities that are set in your life. One man said, holiness doesn't lead to Christ. Christ leads to holiness. When you put Christ first, when you make Christ the centre of your life, when you say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have my devotions, I'm going to discipline myself and I'm going to seek the Lord with all of my heart and as you make Christ the centre and the focus of your life, then holiness will be the fruit of that. It's not because you're doing A, B, C and D that somehow now you qualify to fellowship with Christ. You know, it's just it's not a separation from, it's a separation to and then when you make Christ the centre, you will separate in a natural sense and yield that fruit of righteousness in your life. So, we need to align ourselves unto the Lord. Now, I want to draw your attention back to the text because there's a couple of things I want to highlight a little further. There's a second meaningful expression we find in this particular psalm and it's a, it's, it's a reflection, now listen to this, it's a reflection on what could have been. What could have been. Because God is speaking about the children of Israel. He's speaking about their condition. He's speaking about where they're at. He's speaking about his desire. We're capturing his anguish of heart. We're seeing all of these things manifest themselves in the text. But you see, it's a reflection of what could have been and the reason why it's what could have been, it's not just the result of what they didn't have, but it's a result of what God wanted to give them. Can you see what I'm saying? God wanted to bless them so much. God had made so much provision, so much promises. He wanted to pour out so much. He wanted to give so much out of his love and yet they failed to appropriate it. You see, when a, when a, when a child goes wayward or rebels, you know, we all have sometimes a sense of anger towards things but always that anger turns to sadness, doesn't it? A sadness, a breaking of the heart, just a grief. And this is, God's no different. We're just a reflection of the divine. Obviously, God is balanced and he's not fickle like us. But the point being is we identify these aspects in his nature and what's coming through in this, in this psalm is this anguish where God says, oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that they would walk in my ways. Listen, look at verse 13. It says that again, Because we have in the first instance in verse 8 where we have the O my people, O Israel. But now it's a second time where God makes the statement about the condition of his people and then in verse 13 he reiterates again his heart when he says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. Just listen. Oh, that Israel would walk in my ways. That's the heart of God. That's the appeal of God. And what is more interesting, if you go to verse 16, now listen to this. This is where I said to you what they could have had because the reality is they didn't. In verse 16, 
God says, he would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. I would have because they didn't receive it. They failed to appropriate it. They did not know what it was to be fully satisfied in the Lord. But rather because they were caught up in, in the things of the world or the uh, appetites of the flesh to the foreign gods that they were eating and, and partaking of, they failed to appropriate the fullness and the possession of all that God had for them. See, God in Psalm 107, verse 9, it tells us that he satisfies the longing soul. You see, if your, if your heart longs for the Lord, if your heart desires God, if your heart is, uh, uh, is, puts God first, then the Bible says clearly to us, He will satisfy you. Once you have Him, you don't need anything else. You don't need anyone else. In that sense, because there is a, there is a fulfilment, there is a satisfaction that comes knowing Christ. There is a satisfaction that comes to our lives that brings such peace and comfort to, to our lives. And God says he would have fed them from uh, uh, the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock I would have satisfied you. We get a picture here that the finest of the wheat speaks to us uh, of more of the deeper things of God. You know, um, it's... As one person has said, the Bible so shallow that children can swim in it, but it's so deep that theologians can drown in it. And so, because the, the, the finest of wheat speaks of the depths of God, it speaks of the depths of the Scripture, because as you begin to read it, as you begin to search, search it, God begins to open your understanding more and more, and you feed off it more and more and more. And I tell you, the finest of wheat just gets finer. And the honey from the rock speaks of the sweetness of Christ and that satisfaction that comes to the heart that is content in Him, to the heart that is complete in Him, to the heart that has appropriated and attained to the fullness and the promises of God. It, Christ is so sweet. And it doesn't matter even in relation to the bitterness of life and let it be known that there, are, there is the aspect of the bitterness of life there are things that we have to process. There are things that we have to endure. There are bitter pills sometimes that we have to swallow. But yet in light of all of these things, amen, God makes the bitter sweet and the sweetness of Christ always permeates. It was interesting because we were just, um, <coughs> we were, a few of us were at the, the Celebrate Messiah and uh, they were having the Passover feast and they were giving the biblical um, and, uh, interpretations of all those things and relating it to Christ and so forth. And in that, <coughs> I've never had it before, but they had the, the bitter herbs, the, the horseradish. And so, it, you know, put some on, put it in my mouth. I tell you, whoo, yeah, it was like, whoo. Sam, he's like, hmm, mm. he's just eat it. <laughs> but I tell you, I had one bit and then it shut up my nose and they said that the purpose of that was to bring tears to your eyes. And literally, I tell you what, it has that effect. But then when you have, what was the other one that we ate? What was it called? The sweet one? What? 
Ah, yeah, we'll just call it the sweet one because we don't know the, the name. But it was the sweet one. And so you take the, 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 the hummus, which is the bitter herbs, but then you take the other um, piece meal there with there, and it's so, so sweet that it just dissipates the bitterness. And really, that is the, the honey from the rock that satisfies, the sweetness of Christ. You see, we had a, a lot of us would have a sweet tooth for the physical things. That's not healthy. But when you have a sweet tooth for Christ, amen, I tell you what, you can never get enough. The sweetness of Christ. And God says, I would have satisfied you. See, it's one thing, the scripture tells us in Psalm 34, it's one thing to taste and see that the Lord is good. But I tell you, that's just the beginning. God says, open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Ah, don't just taste, don't just, you know, try some things, amen, but open it wide and God says, I will fill it. He will fill it. And this is where we find all the New Testament counterparts where it talks about being perfected in the love of God, where it talks about uh, growing into the full stature of Christ, where it talks about uh, growing and possessing the fullness of Christ. These are the very things that the Christian, as part of his discipleship and as his journey in the Lord is to grow into. And the only way that we can be partakers of that fullness is if our mouth is wide open. When you come to church, do you have an ear to hear and a heart to understand? Because if you have that hunger and your mouth is open, God will see it and he will just take the word of God and he'll fill you and you will receive that much that you'll walk out of this place feeling like you just had a, you know, when you feel like you've eaten a lot and you feel physically bloated. Well, you can be spiritually bloated in the Lord. I know, but it's true. You can hear the word of God, you can feed off the word of God and you've just felt like you've had a meal. You know what, I'll say, what did I preach? You know, a couple of days later, maybe for some, or a couple of weeks later, I'll say, what did I preach? You go, I can't remember. But I tell you what, at the time, when you had your mouth wide open, God filled it and you were fully satisfied. And this is the picture, I guess, in a sense, of how some of these things work. You know, the longer I've served the Lord, the finer the wheat, becomes and the sweeter Christ becomes and that's how it should be it's sad, it's sad and I know we have to go through trials and tribulations and God brings us through various things in order to conform us to the image of his son but what, how sad it is when that process goes wrong and we can get bitter, don't call me Naomi, you call me Mara you know where the bitterness of life has so contaminated an individual and their perception of God, their opinion of God, their anger at God, their complaining against God, and yet God saying, no, 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 don't blame me. I want to make the bitter sweet. I want to bring a sweetness. You have me. And I will bring comfort. I will strengthen you. I will bless you. I will sustain you. I will satisfy you. See, forget the flesh pots of Egypt. Feast on the Lord and we shall be satisfied. You know, remember the day of Pentecost, we talk about being a Pentecostal Christian. Well, the whole emphasis of being a Pentecostal Christian is we emphasise being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. The Bible says as they, as they were baptised on that day that the crowds looked at them and said, oh, they're full of new wine. 
Now, they weren't full of new wine. They were full of the Holy Ghost. They had, uh, Jesus had told them to tarry in Jerusalem and they'd already, Jesus had already breathed on them previously and they had received the Holy Ghost. But here, there was an empowering and there was a fullness of God that had come upon them on that particular day. And that's why also we find the emphasis of Scripture be filled with the Spirit. Not with wine in which is dissipation. I also looked at this some time back where you can have the excesses of the world to the exclusion of Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Be filled with God. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. You see, I don't, I don't want to be part of the crowd that could have had, that would have had. God says, I would have. I would have. This is what I wanted to do, but I could never do it. I don't want to fall into that category. There would have been. God forbid that I would come into that category. I don't want to. And, and, and if we let us fear, lest any of us fall short of it. Because don't say, oh, I'm already, I'm already full. And God says, oh, no, you're not. You're, you're empty as. But let us fear lest we come short. And when you do that, amen, and you come before the Lord, you seek the Lord, God in his faithfulness, he will meet with us and he will fill us and we will be satisfied. Hallelujah. Press through the crowds and touch Christ. Paul said that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. But the point being is, is that he just wanted more and more of Christ. He had his mouth wide open in a sense and God was filling him over and over and over to the point in which when he is about to depart, for me to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord and he was full. Hallelujah. You see, what I'm talking about is not selfish this morning. I am trying to highlight the heart of God, the desire of God and the willingness of God to give us everything, every provision, every blessing, as the scripture has said, if we will only open our mouth wide to receive it. Ephesians 3 verse 19 says, filled with all the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer. That's his purpose to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, that we would come in Ephesians 4, verse 13, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is what we are to attain to. This is what we are working towards. This is the journey of the Christian life. I'm talking about a feast this morning. Jesus said, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall have life. And the Jews... They thought, oh my gosh, you know, we're not into this cannibalistic type of worship. <laughs> but Jesus later, I mean, he went on with them and he, they were offended and there was a rejection. And even those that uh, many of his disciples walked with him no more, the scripture says. But Jesus looks at his disciples and he says this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you. When Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not speaking in a literal sense. He's speaking of his life. He's speaking of himself. 
And when we feed off the words that come from Christ, when you read this book, the Word of God, all Scripture is inspired by God, when you read the Bible, you are feeding off the Word of God and you are partaking of the fullness of Christ. You see, we talk about a wedding feast that is coming and there is one. There's a feast that's coming when we will uh, be with the Lord, but, amen, we're talking about a feast now. A feast now. Do you know that feast? Do you know what it is to feast? Because that's what Vance Havner was for the point. He says churches can be like a funeral or they can come together and frolic and dance and, and, and all of those things, but the substance is this, is we, that it is a feast where we come together and yes, we can rejoice, yes, we can be excited in the house of God, but we are partaking of spiritual things, we are partakers of the divine nature, we are partakers of Christ. So as I conclude, there's just one last thought I want to leave with us. For those of us that are partaking, that of those of us that know this fullness. And I trust that it's most of us here this morning. I couldn't say it's all of us, but I can pray that it's most of us. You see, God wanted to bring them and he did bring them into the promised land and he brought them into the fullness and he brought them into a land that flowed with milk and honey. But he gave them a warning and he gives us a warning in a sense as well. <coughs> You know, having referred back to this issue of the Passover meal uh, we went to last night, one of the things that they, we ate our meal and uh, we had a, uh, something to eat and then they proceeded with the, the, the program there and then they said, now's the time where we bless the food. And he says, it's common for people to pray and bless the food before they eat. But he said, not in Jewish traditions, we, we bless the food after we eat. And so, because he said, because once you eat and are full, the Bible says not to forget the Lord your God who gives you that fullness. And so, I knew what I was going to preach this morning, so I thought, oh, that would work well for me. <laughs> and, uh, and so, because I had these scriptures already marked out in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you can turn there, where we find God exactly saying, these words. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 10. God says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall go, not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. There it is right there, isn't it? it ties in with our text. He says, when you are full, be careful because, you know, 
you can be a partaker of that fullness, but if we, uh, if we are not maintaining our spiritual life, if we are not uh, uh, attending to these things, then the weeds can grow. Uh, the heart can turn. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And we see this testimony over and over again. And so, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. If you are partaking of that fullness, never forget where you came from. Never forget where God brought you out of. And don't long for the flesh pots of Egypt. Because when you are satisfied in him, what more do you need? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 10. Again, the same thing being reiterated. He says, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget uh, the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments and his statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You see, obviously there's a different context there but it's, that's possible too and so we must heed those warnings. But you see, my exhortation to us this morning as we conclude is the word of the Lord which God makes his appeal to all of us. He says, open your mouth wide. Open your mouth wide and I will what a promise. What an awesome picture that God is giving us. I mean, probably because we can relate to it. <laughs> you know, a mouth wide open, you know, having a mouth full. And yet God says, I want to fill it with my goodness, my grace, my provision, with me, myself. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the word of God this morning. God, there's many things to consider here, Lord, but what I want us to see, God, is your heart, your provision, your desire, your plan, your purpose. And Lord, when we see what you want to do for us, Lord, I pray that we would open our mouths. We would not be like petulant children, Lord, and keep our mouths shut. God, I pray, fill us with your goodness. We don't want to just taste and see that the Lord is good, that has its place, Lord, but there's, uh, in giving us that taste, Lord, you want to fill us with fullness. And God, that is what I'm praying for. That's what I'm asking for, Lord. I'm asking that, God, for myself. I'm asking that, Lord, for your people. And Lord, that we would be responsive. We would be obedient. My God, I pray that you would help us. If we need to repent, Lord, because we have served foreign gods, then let it be so. Let us, Lord, turn away from the things of this world. Let us, my God, cast these things aside. And in repentance, Lord, let us understand that it is your desire to give us the kingdom. It's the Father's good pleasure to fill us. If we will only position ourselves, if we will only, God, put ourselves in that place and, Lord, reach out and touch the hem of your garment, God, cry out to you in knowing, Lord, that you will surely bless us 
in abundance. So I pray God for us all that are gathered here this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.